So instead of diving into the book of Mark like we have been doing, I actually, I actually wanna take a little bit of a pause. Not, not to distract us from the series that we're in, but, but here's the reason. You see, Mark is all about action. He's writing to a Roman audience. And, and, and if you read through the book of Mark, you're gonna realize that it's a very fast-paced book that he's jumping from one thing to the next. And what he focuses on is he focuses on the actions of Jesus, what Jesus does, how Jesus lives, how Jesus behaves. But what he doesn't do a whole lot of is actually dive into what Jesus says. And so today, I actually, we're, we're gonna pick up in the same spot where we've been, but I actually wanna jump over into the Gospel of Luke, and we're actually gonna read a sermon that Jesus taught. And we're gonna look at some words, and I believe that it's, it's applicable to us today. And so it's the same context, it's the same thing that, that Jesus has just, uh, he, he's just healed a bunch of guys, he healed the man with the withered hand and he told him to, to stretch his hand out and, and all the, the, the crowd is following Jesus and he comes and he stands against the Pharisees and he calls them out for, for how they're, they're sticking to their tradition stronger than they're sticking to the word of God. And, and what happens here is, is we're gonna pick up in Luke chapter six. And, and the, the reason that I feel like this is applicable to us today is this, is Jesus is gonna come against a lot of the things that we live like without even being perceptive to it. See, see the reality is, is there's a lot more of us that are living in this state of living than we are like this state of living. See, see, many of us, we don't even realize that, that as we are going about our lives, as we're going about our days, that, that we are actually living behind a fence and, and, and we've drawn lines where, where Jesus never actually drew lines. We, we've, we've created these barriers where, where Jesus never created those barriers. And I'm not saying that there are no barriers, there are no lines, but I'm saying this, is that Jesus has called us to look at the world, not with judgmental hearts, judgmental eyes, dividing and saying us versus them but it's with this, this passion, this heart, that we are to go and reach those who are far from him. And so today, I, I actually, I, I think that, that if you look at the, the culture of the church as a whole nowadays, and, and especially in America, how, how many of you guys would say that it's a little divided? How, how many of you would say that there's some people who are living in a perpetual state of offended? You, you can't get online for more than 10 minutes without looking around and seeing somebody who's getting offended for the most nonsensical thing ever. Like, like it's, it, you, you could create a, a, a webpage and because the, the background is purple instead of blue, somebody's getting their, their panties in a bunch. And, and so there's these little tiny things like that that we get ourselves worked up in. But can I tell you too, there's also some really big things. There's a lot of things at play in culture nowadays that are, that are dividing us. And there's people that are standing on either side of the fence there's, there's, there's all the issues around same-sex marriage and, and, and abortion, and, and there's, there's, there's topics about, is racism, does it even still exist anymore? And, and I just want to let you know, it does. It does, okay. But, but there's all these different things that, that we, are, we are constantly living in a state of division. Some of you, even just now, as I, I said a couple of these things, you're already figuring out which side of the fence that you live on. There's already things that, that I'm just gonna go ahead and say, we believe in this church that marriage is between a man and a woman. We believe that God created man and woman as they are. We believe certain things. We believe that abortion is wrong. We believe all these things. And some of you right now, you're sitting there like, oh, I can't believe he just said that. But here's the reality. 
Just because we believe the Bible says certain things, it doesn't mean that we can live like this and the world is way out there and we have just drawn our lines and we've circled ourselves in and we've built this offense where where now we cannot see them the way that God sees them because we're so staunchly uh, firm in our beliefs and our, our convictions that we've missed out on the mission that God has given us. And I believe that our church is a church that should be the one that is extending our arms out to people who are far from Jesus to bring them in, not push them away. So today, as we we dive in, I just wanna come against this this whole cancel culture thing, this this whole uh, social media thing where people will say stuff online. How many of you guys ever, you see people comment online, you're like, he would never say that in person. Right, we, we've gotten in this, this day and age where now we've, we've formed opinions that are so strong that we, we feel brave enough to put it online that we would never actually go and sit across the table from somebody and say these things. And what I see over and over again is Jesus did the exact opposite, is that he came with the truth, not watered down, not compromised. He, he, he's, not, he's not shifting any of it around to accommodate the people that he's around, but he's coming and he's sitting across the table from them and saying, hey, I love you. I love you so much that I'm gonna give my life for you. But I also love you so much that I can't let you stay in the sin that you're living in. Because it's, it's actually better for you to come and live life the way that I am calling you to live life. And so today we're, we're gonna stand against some of these issues. And today, what I want you to hear is this. This is not a rallying cry. This is not a political party campaign. This is not anything like that for us to get more staunch in our beliefs. We believe what we believe. This is the day that we come and we tear down the fence so that we can start looking at the world with the eyes of Jesus. We can stop living a life in constant offense. And so I'm gonna give you, I don't normally preach this way, but I'm gonna actually give you six steps today to tearing down a fence. And we're gonna be reading out of Luke chapter six. And just a little bit of context, this is actually where Jesus comes and he's preaching a sermon. And he's preaching this sermon called the Sermon on the Plain. And much of what he he preaches is actually going to be kind of compatible with what he preaches in this more famous message called the Sermon on the Mount. And actually, there's some scholars, they think that this is the same sermon that Luke just transcribed a little differently. But I believe that if you look at the contextual clues, it's all happening here. I actually believe this is just like Jesus is preaching service number two in a different area, different space. And so some of the things are a little different, but a lot of the principles are the same. And so Jesus, he comes and he, he calls his apostles and he calls his disciples and he, he goes out and he's got this whole gathering of a multitude of followers of him. So these are people, just get yourself in the context. He's preaching to the church. Jesus is here and he's preaching to the ones who have decided to follow him, who have, who have, have been intrigued enough by what he's done and what he said that they wanna come and hear more. And he preaches these beatitudes. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And I just want you to know, he's not saying that if you ain't got money in your bank account, that that's what he's talking about. He's saying that you're poor in spirit, that you understand that that apart from him, you are spiritually bankrupt. He's saying when you realize your need for Jesus, when you realize your need for God, when you realize that need, that's when you are going to be blessed because you're gonna come and you're gonna submit your life to him. And he says, blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. He's not talking about leftovers from Thanksgiving. 
And so there's all these things that he says in, in, in the Beatitudes where he, he's coming and he's, he's saying, blessed are you if you do this, blessed are you if you do this, blessed are you if this happens to you. And then he pronounces these woes. He says, woe to you who are rich. The, the ones who think that you've already got it all together, the ones who think that, that you don't need a savior, the ones who think that, that you are righteous enough in and of yourself. You know what? You keep thinking that, but you're gonna actually you're actually gonna re regret that later on, pretty, pretty strongly regret that. And he goes on and then he hits this, this section where I, I wanna hit today and it starts in uh, verse 27. And he says this, but I say to you who hear, can you guys hear today? So he's, he's saying this to all of us who can hear today, who can hear his word. He says this, come in strong out the gate, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. And so the first, the first thing that I, I want you to, to write down today is the, the way to tear down, a, a tear down a fence is this, love without limits. You have to love without limits. And that's hard. A lot of us, we're, we're really conditioned to love with limits, with conditions. That we love the people who are good to us. We love the people that we were born into a family with. Sometimes, sometimes it's, you know, it's a little harder to love them. But what Jesus is saying here is saying this, love everyone. Love, and, and, and here what he's doing, he's actually inversing this old tradition that had, had grown in the, 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 the Jewish uh, culture. You see, actually, uh, there's, there's sayings in, in the, the, uh, the Torah, the Talmud, that they would, it was actually like this, what you hate, don't do to others. It was kind of this passive thing, like don't, don't do bad things to them, but what Jesus is saying, actually, extend to good things. It, it goes from passive to active here, but he's saying you actually have to love them. And it's not just to the neighbors who look like you, think like you, believe like you, vote like you. He's saying this to what? Love your enemies. Love your enemies. And you see, when, when God had first spoken this to the Israelites way back in the Old Testament, they, they kind of took this as to, to love your neighbor is just, okay, that's just the person that, that, that is right around me, right? And, and what Jesus is saying here is, is not just the people that are in proximity to you, it's that anybody you come into contact with that is your neighbor, to love them as yourself. And in fact, in Luke 10, 29, there's a man who comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to be saved? And, and Jesus kind of tells him, like, you, gotta, you gotta love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God, serve him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, but you gotta love your neighbor as yourself. And, and so he asked this question that we would probably all be asking, okay, cool, so who is my neighbor, Right? So what are, the, uh, what are the qualifications here to be my neighbor? Do I get to choose? Because I'm gonna pick a very small amount of people. And Jesus says, no, anyone that you come into contact with, they are your neighbor. Anyone who comes around you, they are your neighbor. And the striking thing is this, is that godly love has no ifs. Godly love isn't, is, is like, okay, I'll love you if you do this, 
if you treat me this way, if you align with the way I, I believe, if you align with all these, these specifications that I have in my mind. No, godly love has no ifs. The other thing that I think is interesting in this is, picture this, this is Jesus talking to the church. This is Jesus talking to his believers and he says this, love your enemies. So what is the assumption? You will have enemies. And what he's saying is this, when you stand on my side and you align with, with my word and when you live the life that I'm calling you to live, there's gonna be people that are opposed to you. You cannot please everyone. You can't have everyone like you. You can't have everyone love you. You can't be the life of every party because there's gonna be some places that you go that they do not align with where I am. So I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you, you have to be okay with not being liked by everyone. You have to be okay with the fact that you're gonna have some enemies, you're gonna have some opposition, you're gonna have some people who are gonna look at you and they might say some things to you and, and, and they, might, they might come against you in certain things, but you have to love them anyways. And Jesus sets the perfect example. In Romans 5, 8 to 10, it actually tells us that we read this earlier. When we were yet sinners, but in Romans 5, it actually says even more, when we were still enemies, Jesus gave his life for us. When we were the opposition, when we were the ones who were far from him, living lives that weren't in line with how he wanted us to be, he looked at us with love and love so deep that he gave his life for us. We have to love without limits. Verse 28, it says, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. And so the second thing that I want you, that we're gonna do to tear down a fence is this. You've gotta bless in spite of curses. You've gotta bless in spite of curses. We just talked about this, that you're gonna have enemies. You're gonna have some people that do not believe what you believe, that do not align with the way that you want to live your life, the truth that you build your life upon. And you know what? There's gonna be some people that are gonna come and they're gonna say some things and they're gonna accuse you of some things and they're gonna call you some names and all these different things. And even in the midst of that, what this is saying is this. Don't retaliate. Don't give back to them what they're giving to you. And he's not saying that we've gotta be these pacifists who just take it and, and we're being bullied and trampled on all the time. What it's saying is this. It's saying in a situation where you give yourself to somebody and they, and they come back and they, they slap you across the face, you know what, don't retaliate. In fact, you're actually gonna take control by saying, okay, you wanna, you wanna treat me that way? Then go ahead and, and, and slap me on the other cheek. And then I will walk away. And I'll keep going. But you know what? Even though you slapped me, even though you, you cursed against me, even though you've called me certain things, I'm still gonna love you. I'm gonna still care for you. I'm gonna still pray for you. I'm gonna still seek the best for you. It's, it's this concept that we gotta keep giving and don't stop giving ourselves to others. No matter what opposition comes, no matter what people say, can I be real? There's some, there's some things, assumptions that people have about Christians in our culture today. And, and, and the problem is, is that actually 
some of the things that they accuse us of is because we deserve it. Because, again, what we've done is instead of actually walking out in the way that Jesus has called us, we, we've, we've become so public and so so outspoken with, with our convictions that we've made it a, a, a sticking point where people actually can't see and experience the loving hand that God has called us to have. And so you have to understand that there's people out here that are, that are calling Christians uh, certain things that, that were hateful and that were, were all, the, uh, that were judgmental and, 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 and all these different things. And they're saying that, that we are not uh, in alignment with what culture says, and that's perfectly fine with me, and it should be perfectly fine with you. But even as they throw those insults, even as they say these things, you know what we can stand on? We can stand on the timeless truth, the word of God, that no matter what the world says, no matter what culture says, we don't have to give in, we don't have to bow down, and we don't have to retaliate with our words, we can just live out his. We have to bless in spite of curses. Verse 30. It says, give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them, right? That's that golden rule thing, right? If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Don't worry, I'm gonna come back and give you some context to this so you don't, some of you financial people are freaking out for a moment. But verse 35, but love your enemies, and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. How many of you guys got kids? You guys got kids? Do you guys ever do stuff and they don't appreciate it? That should be like the loudest amen ever. <laughs> You guys ever do stuff that, like, you go above and beyond, and they come back, and they just, like, I, like the, my favorite was, uh, was, was, like, Noah, when he comes home from, from school, and Amanda, like, made him this whole lunch, and all sorts of snacks, and packed everything, and he comes home, and he throws down the lunch bag. I didn't eat my lunch. It's like, well, why didn't you? Because you forgot to cut off the crust. And, and the reality is that sometimes we can, we can behave the same way to God and not even realize it, that he has done so much for us. He's been so good to us, so faithful, so kind. Even when we were ungrateful and evil, he came and he, he gave his, his son. And he showed us grace and mercy. It says, give to everyone who begs from you and do not demand them back. So the, the next step is this, we have to give without expectations. Some of us are generous because we think that in our generosity, it'll be seen by somebody else or, 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 or it'll be, uh, we'll see some retribution or, or, or we'll give to them now because they're in need, but we know that later it's gonna benefit us. But we have to give without any expectations that if nobody sees it but God, if nobody ever pays you back, if you never get a dime or if you never get your time back, if you never get your energy back, you have to give yourself to people without the expectation Do you ever give your, your time to something that, that is absolutely, it does not, it accomplishes nothing for you? 
You ever go out of your way to help somebody knowing that, you know what, they're, they're never gonna be in a position to be able to help me or, or, or you know what, I'm not gonna get any recognition for this or, or do you ever help somebody and give them something and, and, and knowing that, you know what, nobody's ever gonna find out about this. You're not gonna get a pat on the back. You're not gonna get this back. We should give without expectation. We should be generous and loving and help meet the needs of people. And what this verse is not saying is that we can't charge interest on our loans, okay? What it's saying is this. I wanna give you a little bit of context. It is what's, what's the saying is this, is back in, in this uh, Jewish culture, what had happened was that, is that God spoke to the Israelite people and he said, for six years, for six years, you can grow in the land, you can harvest in the land, you can sow in the land and you're gonna farm the land and you're gonna get all these great harvests from the land. But on the seventh year, there's gonna be a Sabbath year where you're not gonna work it. Things aren't gonna grow, things aren't gonna grow as much you're not gonna be able to go out and harvest it. You're gonna give the land rest. And what you're doing in this year is you're trusting God to provide. But what would happen is this, is there's this term called usury, where you can kind of figure out what that means, right? It's, it's farmers would go and they would, they would take out these loans to, to, to do all the things that they needed to do and they would give out loans to other people. And what would happen is by the time they were approaching the seventh year, anybody that was taking out loans, you know what they'd do? they would just jack up the interest on what they were charging people. So sometimes it would be so much so that, that a normal interest rate would be 5, 10, 15%, and then all of a sudden, the, the sixth year before the seventh year is coming, they would charge 75 and 80% interest because they were, they were coming back and they, they were looking at people as an end to their means instead of looking at God to the, as the ends of their means. And, and so what this scripture is saying is this. Don't go around using people to accomplish what you need to get accomplished or so that you can feel good about yourself. Sometimes you guys even put stuff in the offering plate hoping that it's gonna make you feel better. Sometimes you go and do things just because you wanna get the attention, the recognition for it, but Jesus is saying here, he said, listen, just give without any expectations. Give without any regard to the people who have needs. Go and meet them. To the people who are hurting, go and help them. That's what our church seeks to do. That's what our lives should look like. It's hard to pull cash out of your wallet, especially nowadays, none of you have cash. But, but when you walk past somebody who's, who's in, in, in desperate need, you know, what, you know what happens is a lot of times we already start justifying why we shouldn't give to them. Oh, you know what? They're probably just gonna go use it on drugs. They're probably just gonna go do this. They're probably just gonna go do that. Or you know what, they'll just never learn. But when the Holy Spirit compels us to give, we've gotta give without expectation, without consideration, without wondering how it's gonna happen. You just have to give out of obedience to what God is telling you to do and expect that he's gonna work out the rest. It says that we should give, we should do good, that we should serve that we should lend ourselves and we should love our enemies expecting nothing in return. You know, this past summer, we did some, some pretty event, big events here at our church. And uh, I can't even remember, I, we're, we're well over, I think $100,000 this year that our church will give to church planning, to missions, uh, to, to local community projects and helping meet needs. We, we've given to help uh, people who are about to be evicted. We've given to people who are uh, planting churches. We've given, to we've given to people to help meet needs. But here's the thing. We've done these big events and, and go out and love the community and serve the community. But the reality is this. 
How many of you had just this tinge of, okay, we're gonna do this, but our church should grow now, right? Or, or, or they should, we, we came, we went and served them, so how co- they should come to our church now, right? But the reality is this, we are called to go love and to give ourselves over, whether they never come, they never say anything, whether somebody else gets the credit, whether somebody else gets the recognition, we are still called to love and to give ourselves no matter what. It's the type of people that Jesus is calling us to be. Verse 36, it says, be merciful, even as your father is merciful. So what does this mean? It means that we forgive without request. That even when they don't ask for it, that even when they don't come and, and plead their case before you on their knees and beg for forgiveness and, and tell you of all the things that they've done wrong, when the people come and offend you, when the people come and hurt you, when the people come and do things that get under your skin, you have to forgive without request because it's exactly what God has done for us, that he gave his life for us. And what does it say? That even when we were sinners, Some of us even have a hard time forgiving with requests. That we look at people and we, we judge them and we, we, we wanna hold the, this thing against them all this time that we wanna, we wanna continually, be like, you gotta earn your forgiveness. Aren't you glad that God did not treat us that way? Aren't you glad that, that God offered his mercy and his grace to us and he says that we are to extend it to others in just the same way? There's a difference between mercy and and grace. Mercy is when we deserve the wrath of God. Mercy is when we deserve the punishment for the things that we've done and God looks at us and he cancels it. And his grace is when he comes and he says, you know what? You don't earn my blessing. You don't deserve my blessings. You you, You haven't done anything to warrant this, but I'm gonna give it anyways. And this is exactly the way he calls us to treat other people's. Can you think of all the ways that God has shown you mercy? I'm sure there's some people in here that are thankful and grateful for the mercy of God, that that you were some messed up, broken people, that you were caught up in some sin, you were caught up in some failures, you were caught up in your mistakes, you were caught up in living your life just the way the world says that you should live your life, but his mercy came and found you, and you are grateful today for the mercy of God, that he loved you, that he forgives you, and that he adopted you into his family. You don't have to sit at the kiddie table that you get to go sit with the king of kings because he has shown you mercy. And this is exactly how we should respond to others. Verse 37 says, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. And this is, this is not an absolute statement about judging. It's a prohibition on the wrong type of judging. This is like when we look at people and we start to jump to conclusions or, or we don't get all the facts or, or we're hearing only one side of the issue. 
And we're not bothering to figure out the whole context of this. And what this is saying is this. It says, don't, don't go judging and jumping to, uh, to your assumptions. And he continues. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Sounds like um, a TikTok video or something. I don't know. Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. You know what this is saying? Be careful who is teaching you. Be careful who it is that you are following. Because he's saying this, who you follow, wherever they go, is where you go. So if you start following a certain person who is, who is walking in a way that is not in alignment with the word of God, I just wanna tell you, eventually you're gonna end off track. Be careful who you follow. And he says, a, a disciple is not above his teacher, but every woman he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye and do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. How many of you guys have heard this before? And how many of you, you hear this and you immediately think like, okay, that means I, I, I can't look at anybody else in, in judgment, right? But what is it saying this? It's, it, it's saying that we have to reflect before we detect. We have to reflect on, on the own, the, our, our own issues. We have to look at our, our, ourselves internally before we start looking externally. And, it, and it's actually giving us this great picture. It's like, imagine if you were here and, I, and I'm sitting and I'm looking at Scott and I'm like, hey, Scott, you actually have a little bit of a, you have a little bit of something on your, on your beard, right? Like, and I'm sitting here like this and I, like, like, Scott, you should really take care of that. Scott, I don't even know if I could be around you because like you, that thing is kind of grossing me out. You should really get, I don't know if it's a piece of chocolate or, or what it was that you ate this morning, but you know what, you should really get that out. And then here I am the whole time and I'm walking around and I've got this big giant issue that I haven't dealt with, that I haven't submitted to God, that I haven't surrendered. And I'm out here looking at everyone else instead of looking and saying, oh, you know what? I should probably take care of this. I, I probably shouldn't leave this like this, should I? That I have to live a life where I'm reflecting constantly on the inner state of my spiritual health. That, that am I walking fully in the ways of God or am I compromising to the ways of the world? Am I looking like Jesus or am I looking like culture? Am I looking like, like I'm supposed to look? Am I acting like I'm supposed to act? Am I walking in alignment and forgiveness covered by the blood of Jesus? Or am I walking in this state of unforgiveness? Can I tell you, there's a lot of people, you just, you've made this, you, you, you just made this like your fanny pack. You take it everywhere you go and you don't even know it. And, and the whole thing that you do is you're constantly looking at other people to see their flaws, their issues, and how you measure up to make this not feel so bad. Oh, come on, I know I'm not alone in this, right? We, we, we think, okay, well, I kind of struggle with this issue, but you know, look at them. They are real jacked up. And then you get in the car with your wife and you start, you know, start talking about it and this and that. Not me, me and Amanda, we never talk about that. We only talk about Jesus. <laughs> no, but for real, right? Like we get in this, we, we get in this situation where, where we, we've kind of got our pet sin, our pet issue. We've got all this that, that we've attached to ourselves, and it's kind of even tied to our identity and who we are and that we'll never overcome it. But we're constantly looking at other people like, man, what are they gonna realize? And the problem, 
remember who this is talking to. Jesus is talking to the church and he's telling them to love who? Those that aren't in the church. And the problem is, is this, is that culture, what, what they've done in the world, what they've done is they've looked at us for so long and it, like, I look pretty dumb right now. And it's pretty obvious that I've got something off. But all we do is instead of fixing and acknowledging and even admitting and confessing that we're messed up people, we act like we're holier than thou, judging first. And so what Jesus is saying here is this, you've got to look internally. You've got to own up to the fact that you aren't all buttoned up, perfect Sunday school people all the time. Can we be a people that's real? Can we be a church that's real, that acknowledges that we struggle, that we mess up, that we, we are people in need of a savior? Man, if it weren't for the Holy Spirit, I don't know where I'd be. I'm pretty jacked up. But thanks to the mercy and the grace of God, he's called me to be more like him. And you know what I'm continually doing is it may not be this size issue anymore, but there may be something that I'm continually going back and I'm reflecting on. I'm not in alignment here. I'm not in alignment there. And you know what it does? It helps me appreciate people that are still carrying this a lot more. We gotta stop acting like the world should be acting different. The world's gonna act like the world. And you know what? Can I just say something real controversial? Your vote ain't gonna change that. <laughs> I believe in voting and I, I believe in, 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 in where we place our vote and who we vote into office and all that kind of stuff. But can I tell you, we cannot mandate the ways of God. We have to first love with the heart of God so that they can come into contact with the God who loves them so desperately. We have to reflect before we detect. So what this doesn't mean is this. It doesn't mean that, that we get into this spot where we're, we're never helping acknowledge and, and point out to others the issues and struggles that they have that we see. I, I would actually encourage everyone in here that, that somehow you would find some sort of accountability, whether that's a, a one other person or a group of people that are, that are there that they can call out the speck in your eye and you'll turn right back to them and say, yeah, well, you too that we are calling ourselves to holiness, not judging ourselves to death. The last step, we have to acknowledge that none of this is possible on our own. We have to acknowledge and, and confess to ourselves that in our own power and our own strength, we can't accomplish all of this. We can't live this way. Who wants to forgive without people even begging for it? Who, who, who wants to, to look at our own flaws before we start looking at the flaws of other people? Who wants to bless people who are coming and talking that nonsense trash about me? Who wants to give without expecting something in return? Who wants to love everyone without any limits? Nobody in and of themselves. You know what we have to do? We have to rely and depend on the Holy Spirit. We have to trust in God to give us the strength, to give us the awareness, to show us the ways that, that we are walking and living our lives in offense, that, we're, that we're, we're spending our lives trying to draw lines and divide ourselves from people when, when really God has called us to do something so different. And in Galatians 5, it says this, but I say, walk by the Spirit, 
and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. See, the desires of the flesh is that when somebody wrongs me, when somebody cuts me off, then I'm gonna come and I'm gonna flip them a, a little wave with a couple fingers, right? And, and then when somebody comes against me and they start talking some smack, then I'm gonna post even worse stuff and I'm gonna start retaliating and, and this comment section is gonna be just going again and again and again and then I'm gonna get notifications about it hours later and I'm still gonna live in this when, when somebody is in need, then I'm just gonna think about my own needs. Well, they should, have, they should have thought of that first. They should have gotten a job. They should have figured this out. They don't need me. I'm here for myself. That is the way that we live in our fleshly ways. But he's saying this, walk by the Spirit. And you know what? The Holy Spirit tells me to do a whole lot of things that I never would have wanted to do on my own. The Holy Spirit calls me to a higher level. The Holy Spirit compels me to give and stretch beyond what is even right in my own mind. It says that as you do this, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirits. Hello. And the desires of the spirits are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So what is this saying this? Is that if you don't depend on the Holy Spirit to do the work of God, you in and of yourself are not gonna do the work of God. You're gonna be doing things that are opposed to the work of God. There's this verse that Jesus actually looks at, at his disciples and he says this, that, that those who do not gather, scatter. And what he's saying is this, if you are not actively doing the work of God, you are passively undoing the work of God. You have to rely and depend on the Holy Spirit in your life. Because as soon as you begin to rest in your own power, your own strength in this, you're gonna start walking out in your emotions. You're gonna start walking out in your own intuition and your own power. And all of a sudden, you're gonna realize that you've drawn a line of offense between you and the people around you. The people that you aren't called to judge, the people that you are called to serve, the people that you are called to love. So church, we have to learn to look at the people who are all around us, not as if they are a, a, our enemy that we have to stay away from, but they're the mission that God has given us to go and serve, to welcome them into the family of God. And I fear that, that for too long, Christians ha have, have relied on our voting power more than we have the Holy Spirit power. We've relied on, on policies and legislation more than we've relied on truth and love. And I think that today God is, he, he's challenging us, he's challenging me to stop looking at people with, with my own fleshly eyes and look at them with the, the eyes of God, the heart of God, the compassion of God. And I can't do it on my own, I have to depend on the Holy Spirit. Now here, before we end, I, I wanna do one thing here. This is written to the church, remember? Telling them how to respond to their enemies. This is, this is telling us that, that you know what, we don't, we don't build fences and to, to protect ourselves from the enemy. But you know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say that we shouldn't have boundaries for the people who are coming against us that are close to us. In fact, actually, when you, you look at, at Scripture over and over again, there's, there's a lot of uh, commands for, from Paul, from, from Peter, from, from, even from Jesus. When you look at Jesus, you know what he did a lot of times? He went away. 
You can actually look at it multiple times, even around this sermon that Jesus is telling, hey, go love your enemy, go serve your enemy, go be about uh, serving people and doing good things for people. You know what he also did? He went and got in a boat. Like, I've wanted to get away from some people real bad, but I ain't never gotten a boat and said, see ya. But there's these, these moments where Jesus is he's, he's drawing these healthy boundaries in his life. That there's moments where, where Jesus, in the midst of loving and serving all these people, he also recognizes there's gotta be a moment where I go back in solitude and I get down before the Father and I pray all night and I pray all morning. And then when I've expelled all the, the energy that I can into loving the people that are far from God, you know what I gotta go do now? I, I gotta go get in a boat and I gotta spend some time replenishing myself. And some of you, you know what you've done is, is we've drawn this line where that we just have to welcome everybody in all the time. When, when the word of God actually tells us that we should be creating some healthy boundaries in our life. Boundaries from what we absorb, boundaries from, from what we, we take in, boundaries from some, some, some of the people that we spend time with, boundaries for some of the things that we do, that we need healthy boundaries in our rest, healthy boundaries in our finances. We need boundaries Proverbs 4.23, it says this, above all else, guard your heart. And some of you this morning, that's the verse that you needed. Some of you, that's just where you're at because you're like, you know what? I, I, I've been loving on people and I've been giving myself away to people. And you know what? That's good. You should give yourself away. But you know what? Sometimes there's people that it, it's, they, they keep slapping you and you keep turning the cheek and they keep slapping you and they keep, you keep turning it. And it's just this pattern of toxicity and the word of God says that we should actually guard our heart, that we love and we love and we love and we love, but there's gonna come a moment, there's gonna be some people, and I'm telling you this, if Jesus recognized that he could not save Judas, we have to recognize there's some people in our lives that we just have to walk away from or let them walk away from us. It does not mean that we stop loving, that we stop caring, that we stop praying, that we stop, it doesn't mean any of that, but it means that we can create some healthy boundaries. In 2 Timothy 3, there's actually a, a verse where Paul is telling Timothy, and he says, you know what? There's gonna be some people who, who claim to be followers of Christ. These are people who are in your proximity, people that are in your, your circle. And you know what? They're not gonna act like it, though. They're gonna claim the name, but they're gonna take it in vain. And they're gonna go out and live like the world. And they're gonna be in here. But you know what Paul tells Timothy? Avoid such people. You actually have to be careful of, of who you're spending time around. You have to be careful with, with, with what you're doing. And you know what, can I tell you this? Just write this down. Go ahead and say, everyone's welcome in the bank. Not everyone's got a code to the safe. Some of you, that's what you need to do right th today. You, you, you need to draw some boundaries around certain influences and people or, or certain things that you're doing or, or certain ways that you're spending your time and recognize that, hey, I'm gonna love everyone, and everyone's got access to the bank, but hey, not everyone's got a code to the safe. There's this place in, inside of me that I've got to reserve. And in fact, I would say this. If there's people that are continually in your life, that are close to you, that are keeping you from walking in the plan and the purpose that God has for you, I think you need to look at some boundaries. Because here's, here's what I think is happening. There's a lot of people in the church that I talk to, that I meet with, that I get texts and emails from and calls from 
that are struggling and they're hurting and, and they, they just can't get past certain things and, and they feel like they can't ever make it further than they are. And, and you know what I think has happened is, is for far too long, we've given into the toxicity inside the church and we've neglected the mission outside the church. We've, we've allowed all of our bandwidth to go into resolving the conflict and the issues of religious people which is the very thing that Jesus came to shatter instead of going out and spending our energy and our time and our bandwidth on reaching and loving the people that don't know any better. So there's gotta be a moment where you look and you say, you know what, you know better. I've talked with you. I've, I've tried to figure this out. We've tried to make this work. And you know what, I'm gonna love you, but I gotta be about my father's business. And I wanna give you permission for that today because I am so tired of wasting our time in fighting and looking at each other and pointing fingers than I am about us going and loving on people and proclaiming the gospel to the people who are far from Jesus, who don't look like Jesus, who don't act like Jesus, but they don't know any better. So church, I think there's, there's, there's parts of us today that we need to look at our hearts and we need to ask ourselves, are we living in offense? You know what it is? See, see I, I thought about this last night. Offense is something that keeps you in. A boundary is something you establish to keep unhealthy things out. You see, when you, when you live in this where, where you, you aren't offering forgiveness back, when, when you aren't loving certain people and when you're dividing this, this is something that, that's established by unhealthy roots in your life that's now keeping you from doing the thing that God called you to do. And you know who's gonna suffer from that? You are. But then when you establish healthy boundaries, what it's doing is it's, it's keeping the noise, it's keeping the toxicity out so that you can go and focus on the thing that God has called you to focus on. Today, I want you to evaluate your life and how much of it is being spent on fruitful things. How much of your life is, is looking like loving those who don't even love you? How much of your life is looking like going out and blessing people and being the hands and the feet of Jesus? How, how, many, how much of your life is, is spent on giving without any sort of Reciprocity. How much of your life is actually looking like Jesus and how much of your life is just going about your day and trying to deal with the same problems you've been dealing with again and again and again? You gotta tear down the fence. You gotta build some boundaries and we've gotta move forward. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to hear my heart this morning is that I love you and that I care for you and that I want more for you than to be walking as a captive and I want you to be able to live free Jesus says that his burden is easy that his burden is light and that means this if we're heavy today it's because we're carrying something we weren't supposed to carry and we need to unhitch ourselves from that wagon and we need to hitch ourselves to him, be about his business, be about his work, and rely on his Holy Spirit to empower us like never before. So Holy Spirit, I pray that right now you would even begin to show us, if you haven't already, show us things. Show us things that we've built a fence, that we've hardened our hearts to. 
Show us the ways that we've drawn judgmental lines where, where we're not compromising on truth, but Lord, that we, we have held back love. God, show us the, the ways that we have not been treating people the way that you want us to treat them. Show us the ways that we have not been as missional and as passionate about reaching people who are far from you. And Lord, also at the same time, I pray that you would help us to see the things that are keeping us weighed down. Lord, help us to see the, the whether it's relationships or, or hobbies or, or different things that we put into our lives, Lord, that is, that is keeping us from walking in freedom fully in what you've called us to do. And Holy Spirit, right now, we surrender to you. Take the weight. Give us your peace. Give us your faith that is beyond our own uh, capacity, Lord, to, to trust you and believe in you. And God, challenge us. God, shake us. Lord, I just, even praying backstage, and this is, I believe the word that you've given this church is that we're, just, we're called to break the apathetic spirit of religion in this community so that we can walk in the purpose that you've called us to. And so, Lord God, I pray that you'd break any spirit of apathy in us this morning. Tear down that fence, Lord. Help us to see clearly. And Lord God, may you get the glory. May you get the honor. May you get the praise. We exalt you in Jesus' name. Amen.